0: You can put a marker or your finger there in Ecclesiastes chapter four. We're going to come back to that here in just a moment, but we're actually going to start in Genesis chapter one. And you can be finding that should be very simple. should be very simple to locate there Genesis chapter one. get this I mean, Greg. I got nothing Greg I got nothing Greg I got nothing you told me you told me you'd replace the batteries thank you Dennis we'll get to that here in just a second oh we will we'll start here then we think about um, Genesis chapter 1. We're going to spend some time there in just a moment. And then we're going to transition over to Genesis chapter 2, then Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Uh, there's a TV show on the History Channel called Alone. It is one of our family's most favorite shows. Uh, we watch it. We watch it really from the very beginning. We watch uh, every season. They just had one uh, recently conclude. And the concept of the show is pretty simple. They take 10 people and they drop them out into a remote part of the wilderness and they leave them there. And it basically is whoever stays the longest, however long that is, they win a boatload of money. That basically is the concept. But it is a show called Alone. And so the reality for them is they are out there by themselves. There is no camera person there is no one there helping them they've got to do their own filming they are out there on their own and they are out there to be out there as long as they can handle it now they're not throwing me out there I would last about a half hour maybe 45 minutes until I figure I have no skills that are useful in the wilderness and I would immediately tap out but the people that they put out there are highly skilled in the wilderness. They're not pulling 10 random people off of the street. They're putting people out there or who for their living know what they're doing. Or most of them already live pretty much in the wilderness. And so very quickly, they are very uh, adapt to build incredible shelters. They have no trouble starting fires. They make traps and snares, and they're catching fish, and they know all of the right berries and leaves and mushrooms to pick and eat. They are incredibly and highly skilled to stay out there for a long time, and a lot of them do. Days upon days, months even, some of them will stay out there and then slowly as the show goes on they begin to pick up their satellite phone and say this is Jeremy I'm tapping out then they come and pick them up now sometimes they'll fall and hurt themselves that's happened several times and because of that they've got to tap out Sometimes it gets deep, deep into the show and they're just struggling as winter comes to find something to eat and they're just unable to go on because they just can't get the sustenance. But most of the time, these highly skilled people are calling on the phone and they're calling for someone to come get them because they are overcome with loneliness. People who used to be out in the woods all the time, who random or rarely live around tons of people, it is still the power of loneliness that gets them. They talk about their family or they talk about their friends, and they realize that being out here all by yourself is hard. It's terrible. Man isn't equipped for it now we know that reality but you know who else knows that reality god knows that because he created man I want you to go to the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 1, as God is uh, going through his creation, he's talking about all of the things that he has created. And he's looking at these things. And then all throughout chapter 1, you see a phrase when he, he, he takes notice of of the things that he has done. He sees the light, he sees the stars, he sees the trees, he sees the water, he sees the, the animals, he sees all of these things, and over and over and over he makes the point, he looks at these things that he has created and he calls them good things. And so in chapter 1, verse 4, verse 10, verse 12, verse 18, verse 21, verse 25, all make reference to God saying, here is something that is good. Even at the end of that text, in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 31, the very last verse of Genesis 1, it says that God saw everything that he had made and indeed it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. And so God is looking out at creation, he's like, this is good, 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 this is good. Our scripture, our own Bibles begin with all of these references to these good things that God has done, that man is about, all of these good things. And so as we continue on in our Bibles, it doesn't take very long for us to find the phrase, here is something that is not good. So let's think about the very first thing mentioned in Scripture. There's lots of things in Scripture that God says, hey, this is not good. Lots of things. In a very quick Bible study note, it would be very wise for you to always take notice of those things. If God says, this is not good, let's take notice of that. But the very first thing that God says, here is something, and this is not good. Let's take a look for it together. Genesis chapter 2 is where I am, beginning in verse 15 of that text. It says this, that the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And so a huge litany of things in Genesis chapter 1 that God looks at and he says, this is good, this is a good thing, this is a good thing, this is a good thing, this is a good thing. The very first thing that he gets to where God says, this is not good, it's man being alone. He says, here I have created man, Adam. It is not good that he is alone. I'm going to make for him a helper, comparable to him. And so God creates Eve. And so what that reminds us is God understands that it is not good for man to be alone. And God knows that. What does he do? Provides help. For Adam here, he provides Eve but throughout in general god has provided help. So think about what god has done. God throughout history, god has been the one to create community. God here creates marriage. As we continue through scripture, we see then that god is the one who creates the church. And he did so because it's not good that man would be alone. And so god created the church. And he desires his people to be unified. He desires his people to fellowship together, to work together, to be together. And it is that concept I want us to spend a few times this morning talking about. And how we're going to do that? Ecclesiastes chapter 4. There's an incredible passage in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. It may be one that you're familiar with or one that you've heard referenced before. I want us to think about it in a very practical kind of way. I'm going to, uh, I want us to think about it in a very simple kind of way. It's a really interesting, broken down few verses, four verses given to us. And in a lot of ways, it is a preacher's dream passage. Because you have one verse that sets the scene. It states the reality. That's verse 9. And then what the writer of the book of Ecclesiastes then does is he takes that statement, that reality, that truth, that he establishes in verse 9, and he builds it up with three points, 10, 11, and 12. I mean, it is a preacher's dream passage. So we have the reality given to us, the teaching established in verse 9, followed by points 10, 11, and 12, those verses. And I want us, as we read and as we study together, be thinking about the simplicity of this passage, and it will certainly make applications for us as we are together here a part of the Lord's church. And so let's begin with the truth, the establishment of the truth. And so you have Ecclesiastes chapter 4, and the establishment of the truth is this. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. This is the reality. The writer of Ecclesiastes says, here is the reality, here is the truth. Two are better than one. They have a reward for their labor. And I want us to understand this truth, this reality is very simple, very easy for us to see and for us to understand. We could exemplify it give so many analogies to showcase it i'm going to give you one in this room to maybe help us let's say and it's been the case before that uh, you know we were doing some work on the pews and every songbook was taken out of the pews and they were stacked right here we've done that before multiple times and all the song books were stacked right here and, and the, whatever work that was done was done out there and these song books that are stacked hundreds of song books needed to go from here back into the pews okay that's what needs to happen now i could do that on my own pretty simply Pick a songbook up or several songbooks up and put them in the right. I could do it all by myself. I could do it by myself. But you know what would be better? If Tim helped me. Not only would that be better for me, it would take half the time to get it done. You see, everybody here understands that very simple concept. I could do it on my own, but it is so much better if Tim helped me. It's better for everything in every way. And it is that simple truth that the writer of this book is putting in our mind. Two are better than one. Two are better than one. They have a reward for their labor. Two are better than one. And so you have this truth, and then he supports it with Points. Here's the picture I want you to put into your mind. As we read this text together, I find it hard to take out of my mind the writer depicting at the time that he is writing this a journey from one city to the next. In ancient times, you were trying to get from one place to another place. There was no car to get into. There is no plane to take or bus to take or train to jump on. You were walking from one city to the next. And at this time, that would have been a dangerous journey. It would have been a perilous journey. It would have been a difficult journey. Every single time you made a plan to move from one place to the next... And I think that's the analogy that the writer is trying to put into our mind. And so we're going to lean into that for this morning. I want us to begin to think about our journey, the journey that we are on, the spiritual journey that we are on, a perilous journey, a difficult journey, one that each and every one of us is on. But how much smoother it can be when we walk together. You see, that is the picture the writer is trying to plant. And so you have in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 9, two are better than one because they have good reward for their labor. So to support that reality, he says, think about this. Verse 10, think about this. If they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. You see, the writer is saying, listen, two are better than one. Why? Because if you're on a journey and you fall, maybe you fall in a hole, or you fall in a pit, or you fall and hurt yourself. If you fall down and you're on this journey, wouldn't it be so much better if someone was there to help? I reference uh, out of the New King James Version here in Ecclesiastes chapter four, the New Living Translation. the NLT will say it this way, very concise. I like it a lot. It, it says this, in Ecclesiastes chapter four, and verse 10, "If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. And, and that is the sentiment of this passage. Because if you fall down and you are all by yourself and you are in a deep hole or you are in a pit or you hurt yourself, you are in real trouble. But if someone is there with you that can pull you out, that can help you, that can help you walk, that you can lean on, how much better is it then for your journey? So the point that he's making here in verse 10 alone is bad. Together... We have help. We have assistance. So here's our realities. Christians aren't designed to travel through life alone. Sure, we do things alone. We praise God. We pray alone. We will stand before God in judgment alone, individually. But yet we are not designed to go on our journey alone. We need help. We need assistance. Falling into the pit of sin. Someone being there to help us out. Having trouble with difficult trials or struggles in life. Someone being there to lean on. Probably every single one of us here. Probably all of. We can picture a scenario in our life, present or in the past. Probably every single one of us. We can picture a time where having a brother or a sister with us in whatever difficult situation or scenario that we can think of made all the difference. See, we understand that. Alone is tough. But together we have help, together we have assistance. Hold your finger in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. We're going to come back to that uh, in just a moment. But in the book of Galatians, think about where we have, what we've talked about. Now think about these two passages that maybe you're familiar with, but in our conversation may sing a little louder for us this morning. In Galatians chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, uh, Paul will say this to the brethren. He says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. And so he says, Listen, if someone has fallen into the pit of sin, you, you're, you're there to help get him out, to help him, to pull him up. He's not there by himself. We are here together. So you lean over and you help pick him up. So he says there in verse 2 of Galatians 6, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Sometimes in this life, we are apt to carry heavy loads because of what life brings. The difficulty of life, the difficulty of trials, the difficulty of temptation, the difficulty of parenting, the difficulty of marriage, the difficulty of work, where you are seemingly the only Christian from eight to five, seemingly the only one who even cares anything about God. And you're living that life and you feel that weight. can't carry that by ourselves. We are here to help one another out. Paul will say in the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, we've spent a lot of time. We just finished a trimester and talking about Romans. I was teaching that class and I made reference to Romans chapter 12 so many times because for me, as I worked my way through the book over the last four months, it just, it kept coming back to Romans chapter 12 and verse nine. For me, it is the key component to what the book of Romans is all about. It is a book about unity. It is a book about brethren working and being together, focused on Christ. And so in Romans chapter 12, beginning of verse 9, listen to the words and the phrases that Paul will bring out about their relationship with one another. He he says in verse 9, beginning, let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse, rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep. He goes on to say, be of the same mind toward one another. You see, what God has done for us is he has given us each other. He's given us each other to help. He's given us each other to assist. Two are better than one. Why? Because together we have help and assistance. Back to Ecclesiastes 4. Now verse 11. Again, he says... Here's another point. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Again, imagine back in ancient times, someone making a journey from one city to the next, and they're walking there, and it's getting dark, and it's getting dangerous, and you're not going to make it. Because it's getting dark, there there are no Hiltons along the road. There are no Holiday Inn Expresses. There there are no places that you can find safe and uh, and, uh, a spot inside to keep warm. You are sleeping out on the ground. Maybe a cave you could find, but that's where you are. The sun goes down, and the temperature goes down, And it becomes cold very quickly. And so the writer of Ecclesiastes is saying, listen, two is better than one. Why? Because if you're out on a journey and you have to go to sleep in the middle of the night, if someone else is there, you will be much warmer. And so the point that he's making is that alone is no good. together, together we have comfort. And for us, in the Lord's church, being together is all about comfort and it was that way I think from the very beginning in the book of Acts in Acts chapter 2 Peter the other apostles are preaching there on the day of Pentecost and thousands and thousands of people obey the gospel and the text tells us there in Acts chapter 2 as many as were obeying and, and, and being baptized they were being added to the church and so the church that was there in Jerusalem is exploding with people exploding And what is the picture that we get from the very beginning of the Lord's church? It's one of comforting each other. In Acts chapter 2, towards the very end of that text, we see beginning in verse 44, it says, Now all who believed were together, had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. And so continuing daily with one accord in the temple, Breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So this incredible picture of the Lord's church, providing what's needed. Warmth, food. Physical things, spiritual things, providing what is needed. Alone is no good. Together we have comfort. So one other point in Ecclesiastes 4, and then we're going to draw some conclusions for us this morning. So back in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, you have the statement, "Two, two are better than one, two are better than one, because together we have help and assistance. Together we have comfort. And now in verse 12, he says, though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. He makes the point that together we have defense. Together we can have each other's backs. Again, the New Living Translation, verse 12, says it like this, which I like. Uh, A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. You see, there's a reality that Christians can strengthen one another, can sustain one another, encouraging one another, supporting one another. That's what being together is all about let's make a quick application of that so many opportunities so many opportunities to be together so many we have here as we are right now an opportunity to be together now I'm speaking to you all of you have taken advantage of the opportunity to be together here this morning what a great decision that was because alone is hard alone is hard together is key so what an incredible opportunity we have to worship god each and every first day of the week each and every first day of the week uh, to be here together lifting each other up studying together being together what an incredible encouragement that is how foolish how foolish it is when we have opportunity to be here for worship on the Lord's day and we choose something different. How foolish that is. It's dangerous. Journey through life. We need to be together. But there are other opportunities. We had an opportunity this morning at 9 o'clock to be together. To study God's word together. We're here worshiping God. At 9 we were here studying from God's word we did that together we have opportunities to study God's word uh, out and individually and that's good for us to do that but we also have opportunities to study God's word together as we did this morning at 9 and as we we do on Wednesday evenings at 7 an opportunity an incredible opportunity to be together and to and to study God's word together how foolish how foolish it would be to have an opportunity to be together to study God's word, and and you are able to be together to study God's word, but you choose to not take advantage of that opportunity. How foolish that is. That's walking through the world alone. That's falling into a pit, no one being there to help you out. It is being cold at night. It is being drug away by your enemies. How foolish that is. So many opportunities. What an incredible opportunity we had just a few nights ago, Friday night. What an incredible opportunity that was. It was an incredible opportunity. Guess what? To be together. To praise God in song, as we did. Not just us, but Christians on the journey with us from all over, all over the city. And even from other places. And we packed this place fitting in here Friday night more people than I thought could be fit in here. 591 people, and we weren't pushed out into the hallways or out these doors in this room. 590 people. It was an incredible evening, a praise to God. But what a great opportunity that was to be together, to be lifted up together. How foolish it would be if, Friday or or any other opportunity like that, that you had ability and you were able to be here, but you, you just chose not to do that. Falling into a pit with no one to pull you out. Being cold all through the night. Being drug away by your enemies. So many opportunities. I'll give you another one as we are here on a fourth Sunday. The opportunities that our elders have provided us on the second and fourth Sunday evenings to spend time with one another, to get to know one another, to work with one another, maybe out in the community. Is that an opportunity that you're taking advantage of? How foolish it would be to have that opportunity and the ability to take advantage of that opportunity but choose something else. You see, it is so plain, so plain through Scripture and so plain in the way that God has created and provided for us that we need one another. We cannot do it on our own. No Christian is a Christian by themselves. We need each other. We have a duty to help each other. We have a duty to help each other grow. We have a duty to help each other mature. We have a duty to help encourage each other. One final passage, First Peter chapter 4. First Peter chapter 4. Peter, in writing his epistle, his first epistle here, First Peter chapter 4, he says this in verse 8. He says, above all these things, have fervent love for one another. For love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. You see, the reality, just like in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, it's a reality that's put in place. Two are better than one. Two are better than one. If you fall down, someone's there to help you up. If you get cold at night, someone is there to warm you. If you are attacked by the enemy, someone is there to defend you. It is an easy-to-comprehend reality as you are on a dangerous journey in ancient times. And the same thing holds true for us today. Two are better than one. Two are better than one. We are better together. Think of these things. We are better together. We help and receive help. We assist and receive assistance. We bring or provide comfort and get comforted. We protect each other and we get protected by one another. That's what the Lord's Church is all about. So for us, as we close... Are we taking advantage of what God has created? You see, God created the church. He put the church in place. He, he called his people to be together. It's God's wisdom. Do we lean into that wisdom? Or do we think that there's another way? Well, the other way of wisdom is foolishness. It's the other way of wisdom. But ultimately, it's a decision that we have. Lots of opportunities. Lots of opportunities to be together. Lots of opportunities to work together. Let's strive to take advantage of those opportunities. Let's build something together that praises God loudly here in this community as we did on Friday night. What a beautiful thing that was. What a beautiful thing it can continue to be. Marcus is going to lead us in this song of invitation. It gives us an opportunity. It gives us an opportunity to think about where we are with God. Our relationship with God is what really makes a difference. We've talked about our relationship with one another. All of that is predicated upon our relationship with God. That is the relationship that needs to straighten out. And maybe your relationship with God is not where it needs to be. Maybe we can help in some way this morning. If we can, you let us know as we stand and sing.